Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. If it's Monday in late September, it must be Labour Conference. Isn't it great fun when the loony left really get going? So far, we've had Jeremy Corbyn refusing to answer any questions and warning that the rich are on borrowed time. We've seen the shadow inequalities minister, Dawn Butler, congratulating Liverpool councillors for breaking the law in the 80s. And now we've seen the police providing a personal bodyguard for Jewish MP Luciana Berger to make sure no harm comes to her from her own party members. What on earth is going on? Is anyone seriously considering giving these people the keys to Downing Street? John McDonald's going to be making a speech later on. He can't seem to make up his mind whether it's he, Earl Jeremy Corbyn, or conference, uh, or something which is called the Composite, uh, deciding what's going on. 0344 499 1000. Ross Kempsell's up there for us, of course, our political uh, editor. Also, Katie Perry is going to be on the show. Uh, she's up in Liverpool too. Uh, coming up later on, I'll give you my considered take on the much-anticipated final episode of The Body God. Here's a clue. It was still rubbish, okay? And Dawn Neeson's here. She'll be bringing us up to date on the latest feminist craziness, including uh, why women have got their own island and men haven't. Uh, 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, Dawn, I don't know where to begin, really. Very good morning to good you. Good morning, Mike. It's a beautiful, crisp, sunny morning here Happy in London. Happy Monday, everybody. It's absolutely yes. lovely. I think it's nice all over the country. I think it is, yeah. Apart Finally, from... the country has been united with decent weather. Possibly a little cloud hanging over Liverpool at the moment, yes. I'm thinking. Yes. Uh, that's. I mean, I'm looking forward to Julie Hartley Brewer wandering into all the bars oh. of uh, the Labour Party conference, though, and uh, getting treated with scant regard. But Liverpool voted to get out, didn't it? If uh, I remember I believe, rightly. I believe so. Well, most of the Labour Party, most of the Labour Party and the Labour constituents did vote to leave. Out. Now, so, what I don't understand is that I watched Andrew Marr's show yesterday where Jeremy Corbyn uh, was the chief guest. Uh, he didn't like answering very many questions, he, I found. He very, very nearly answered one. He, did he? Which one? He was, he was asked whether he was an anti-Semite. Oh, yes. And he said... He um, didn't answer that. He didn't answer that no. one. No. He, he sort of said, well, I'm anti-racist. Yeah, and I've always mm, been anti-racist. Yeah, he's anti-something. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if it's racist mm, or not. He's, yeah, it wasn't yeah. really an answer, was yeah. it, there? Yeah, and the, well, the thing about Black September was my favourite when they said, you know, would you have gone to the commemoration ceremony in that cemetery in Tunisia had you known uh, that Black September were involved? Uh, and he said, well, um, um, 
Um, um, um, it's good at the um, um word. Um, I think, and then what was the other matter with uh, with um, um, Margaret Hodge um, is, is closed. Um, yes, that matter is closed. Closed. Oh, okay, mate. Well, we'll Hold stop on. answering, it's, asking it's you any debate. questions then about anything that we, the public, would like to know about you, who is seeking to be elected uh, as the leader, not only of the Labour Party, but as the leader of the nation. General election. Yeah. But he did get a wreath laying right this weekend. He did go to Liverpool. He went to Liverpool, yes. And he laid a wreath in memory of the 96. Yeah, Hills- so he did, for Hillsborough. Yeah. Yes, so he, he did. That right, he yes. did that. Although he did, I don't know whether he went to Everton's football ground. No, he didn't I, mention Everton. Well. But he didn't mention Everton at all. No, no. I mean, he went to Liverpool. He went to Anfield. And I know that they were playing at home against Southampton. Yeah. And Everton were playing away. But um, even however, so, however, he could have still given him a mention. He liked the red bit, not the blue bit. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, interesting uh, choice of uh, mm. of, uh, of Leith rank scenarios. But you know, so far, uh, what we've seen on the papers on the front page this morning is Luciana Berger walking around with a bodyguard. Now, what on earth has this country come to, where a woman who is an MP and a representative of the constituency to which she uh, uh, belongs uh, is in fear uh, of so much of her own uh, the damage that might be being done to her and harm she may come to that she needs a police? escort everywhere she goes at her own party conference yeah in her own constituency it's unbelievable she's the mp for wavertree up in liverpool yeah, it is unbelievable I, I was terrified when i saw this this morning yeah i, I think I, it's I'm absolutely wrong not terrified, and we're also but... reading headlines that say things like uh, the richer on borrowed time I mean, these people, I'm not joking. If they ever got into Downing Street, this country would be literally not only going to hell in a handcart, would be in hell. Let's talk to Katie Perrier, uh, your erstwhile um, partner who sits here occasionally when you're not here. She does. And, uh, of course, very important woman. I'm quite surprised she's allowed into Labour Party conference as well. Katie, (laughs) very good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. How Hi, are Katie. We? Now, the most important question I've got to ask you, first of all, is how did the screening of the bodyguard go last night? Oh, it went well, but um, you know, because this is a Labour Party, nothing really has gone to plan occasionally. Right. So, you know, we're stru- constantly struggling for heating in our venue, constantly struggling for anything that works, and right. so gives you a little bit of an indication of what you might get under a Labour government. But maybe that's just me being <laughs> a little oh, bit suspicious this morning. But um, no, it was very good, uh, like, like the bodyguard. And um, what I spotted this week, I mean, I can talk to you, I can bore you senseless about the politics this week. But what I've spotted, what I've spotted is that most of the women here have red dresses on. It's like it's like a kind of thing. If you support the Labour Party and you go to conference, you, have you to wear, wear a red, red dress. Because so I stand out like a mile. Katie, what colour are you wearing? Mustard. Mustard. <laughs> I well, like I think if you wear a mustard, well, if you wear a mustard dress, you're going to stand out a mile no matter where you are, I think. Unless you're standing <laughs> in the middle of the Sahara. Of course, well, you should stand out because you're a standout woman, an amazing woman. Now, how about this, though? What about, it, what about the fact that uh, Jeremy Corbyn goes on Andrew Marr's show yesterday, doesn't answer any questions at all? says that conference is going to decide on whether or not there's a second referendum. John McDonnell this morning says uh, it's nothing to do with them. Uh, We're going to have a second referendum. And if we do, uh, it won't have a remain option on it. Do you think that people feel that they just don't spot this stuff? They can say whatever they want. They can yeah. contradict each other all, all week here at the party conference in Liverpool. Mm. And no one kind of picks up on that. Because, you know, when you want to be a serious party of government, you've got to be coherent. Yeah. And you've got to put one message mm. across that people can sign up to. I don't understand where they are on the people's vote. For one minute, I thought, you know, they're going to go for it. And then I feel now that they're probably not going to say it, they're only going to do it on the deal itself. And yeah. only if there's not an election. So it's very confusing. Right. Uh, I, I'm trying to pick up 
up exactly where they stand on people's vote, and I'm confused. And if I'm confused, and I'm trying to, you know, really tap into it, then most people will be. Um, but but they they're savvy as well, though. They are coming out with policies this week about things like holiday homes, taxing, doubling the council tax on holiday homes. Yeah. Most people in Britain can't afford a holiday home, and quite envious of people that do. Uh, and I think that that's a vote winner, personally. So well, it's got a lot I of would... MPs caught up in it, except of course we pay their council tax for them, so they'll be all right, Jack. Double bubble, yeah, <laughs> yeah quite. But you know, I, I could see the treasury. I could see the treasury, uh, Philip Hammond's treasury, taking on something like that in the next few weeks and months. So you know, stealing the best of their ideas, but uh, ignoring all of the madness at the same time. David Lammy this weekend basically said that all Brexiteers, most Labour voters, are racists, and that they're, they're putting this stuff out there. But I just, I, I think that if you want to be a party of government, you're not going to win with that kind of language, no, are you? No. It's always fringe kind of comments. It's those kind of, you know, we're on the side, we're the anti-establishment, we're the radicals, we're the people that, you know, really f- speak for the working classes. Well, you know, at some point you have to move that movement, uh, that momentum movement into the, into the centre yeah. in, in terms of trying to get elected. Yeah. And you will never win if you stay on the far, the far left. Indeed, I constantly say to my friends in the Conservative Party, you'll never win if you stay on the far right because it's really where, where you are in the centre mm. is that common ground where you can attract people from all kind of backgrounds to get through over that line and get the keys to number mm. 10. Mm. Lammy is, is doing nothing for his party when he comes out with lines like that. And Barry Gardner at the weekend as well basically saying, well, you know, you don't interrupt your enemy. I thought that was outrageous, yeah. dereliction of duty. If yeah. you are against it and you are an opposition that wants to be taken seriously, you have to stand up and be counted. And I thought that was, an, uh, you know, an absolute disgrace, really. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, uh, we were here on Friday, Katie, together when UKIP's uh, uh, little conference was going on uh, with our good mate Joe. Batten and the Nigel Farage condoms. Have you got any uh, any decent merchandise you're going to bring back for us? <laughs> There's not a lot of decent merch. I'm really glad. I was hoping Ross, our political editor, was going to bring back some um, UKIP condoms so that I could ha- prick them and hang them on the Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, Interesting uh, turn it, of phrase there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Christmas, just for you know something entertaining at home for my Christmas guests as they come round for a drink or two. But uh, not so much uh, merch here yet. Uh, they want to give away things like the Labour briefing document. Which, apart from lining my cat tray, I can't think of anything That's else that you saw for it. Sexy, no, week. yeah. So you know, there's, there's not yet uh, a lot of good stuff. Um, but, but to be honest with you, I kind of haven't ventured in quite to the deep part <laughs> of the conference zone. I'm kind of hanging around the fringe right now, building up the courage to go in at some point. And maybe there's some high quality merch there at some point that I'll go and dig out. I'll keep you posted, folks. Yeah, please do. Excellent Thanks, stuff, Katie. Katie. Thank you Good very luck. much. Indeed. Casey Perry there reporting into us from uh, Labour Party Conference. I still prefer this bodyguard to the bodyguard that everybody's been going mad over. The finale, of course, was last night. 11 million people watching it, which is a record number of people for any TV show, uh, I think, in recent memory, isn't it? Uh, very possibly. But you weren't one Everyone's of them. Everyone's going mad for it, and I feel very, very lonely this morning because I think I'm the only person in the entire country that hasn't watched a single Well, I, of course, have of only it. been doing it out of duty to yeah, talk yeah, radio because I only yeah, watch yeah. it uh, because I physically cannot stand it, right? It really is the most awful show I've ever seen. It's ridiculously uh, out of touch with reality. It is totally and utterly bonkers, right? And so it proved. Last night they talked about, well, we're going to have a special extended version of the show, right? right? But for about half an hour, all you 
you got was a bloke standing in the middle of a square in the middle of London wearing a suicide vest and they were trying to work out how to get it off him. You're not giving you're so not giving the game exactly, away here, Well, are I don't you, care Mike? about giving the game away because Spoiler at the end alert. of the day, listen, if you don't watch it when it's on uh, and you don't want to know what happens, <laughs> then don't listen uh, right now, I'm afraid. I'm sorry to tell it's, you to go away and not listen it's to impo- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Possible to avoid. But you know, it's all over the papers this morning. It's all over the internet. It is all over Twitter. I mean, the idea that you want to somehow get through to next week and decide to watch the whole thing because you've never seen it yet. uh, Well, you might as well just lock yourself in a room uh, and, and not go out. No, for absolutely. the next week, yeah. because everybody's talking about it. And we're going to talk to Benji Potter now uh, about it too. He's, of course, uh, a showbiz correspondent at The Sun. Benji, very good morning to you. Good morning to you guys. You've Hi, got Benji. It all wrong. Hi, Dawn. You're all right. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. What do you mean I've got it all wrong? What are you talking about? <laughs> Both of you got it all wrong. 11 million viewers, the series launched with the highest ever drama launch. Well, uh, I said that. About Yes, but but it's but we don't tune in to drama to see something that's lifelike. That's why it's called drama. It's scripted. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. Gloomy, yes, but last night provided the best 75 minutes of telly I've oh, seen in a joking. long time. Really? Well, Benji, gosh. Well, you must have very yes. low standards, Benji, is all I can say. <laughs> You know, I mean, for heaven's sake. I mean, the idea that, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for them extending the final version and the final mm. episode, but they didn't really need to spend half an hour with a guy standing in the middle of a square, did they? You knew he wasn't going to blow up. Well, do, do, do you know, I think, I think, I mean, I knew he wasn't going to blow up because we'd seen, we, you know, we'd talked about it and, and obviously Jed Mercurio had said that there was going to be further series. And I will say episode four and five was a little bit slow, but I think last night was great. And people who say it's not, uh, it's not, that would never happen. It's not lifelike. Well, I'm sorry. I don't think there's ever been four, five, six, seven a sort of outright assassination attempts on, on the Home Secretary that have been, been made public. I mean, already it was operating in a sphere that's 
nothing. Well, <laughs> well, actually, not yet, I'm Benji. Give him time. It's not, <laughs> it's not yet like something we've experienced here. And you know, I mean, there were certain plot points, but I think it was a really interesting um, look into how um, terrorism inquiries are dealt with. Because as people, as some people will know, a lot of terrorist cases when they get to court um, are restricted. We can't report on them, so people don't actually find out how these people are brought to justice. So I think from that point, Jed Mercurio actually has given us a window into quite an interesting and little known about world. Yeah, but except for everything that happened, it was not the work of a terrorist, was it? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, the point is it was meant to be about terrorism, but in fact it wasn't. The guy who ends up shooting at the bulletproof car that doesn't have bulletproof windows uh, turns out <laughs> to be a bloke with, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder who fought for the British Army in Afghanistan. I mean, he wasn't a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. That, that is one point. But the terrorists and and I guess and and those ex-soldiers had had uh, collaborated together because the lady at the end um, in the hijab, Nadia, she was seen to have played some part in it. And actually, the BBC should be commended. And I wouldn't I wouldn't dish this out often for not going route one with it. You know, for not saying, oh, it's all all the Muslims are creating this problem. You know, or oh, sorry, rather, I should correct myself. Oh yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. Extremist. So why don't we go the other way completely and make out that it's oh, lots of other people who are not Muslims who are threatened. The, the government. What a lot of old cobblers. Well, she did have a part in it in the end, the Muslim lady, Nadia. So she did she did play some part in it. But I don't know. As pure entertainment, as pure action, as pure drama, couldn't surely, Mike, you could sit there and lap it up a, mi- a bit, the explosion, nah. the kind of... I'm looking at his face now. Nah. He means it now. Absolutely nah. not. No, I thought it was awful. I promise you, I really did. And I'm not alone. 11 million people might have watched it. And uh, that might tell you more about how awful generally the television is these days because once in a while something comes along which is slightly above average in terms of the way it's put together and you know a whole kind of cult is is, is uh, orchestrated around it and everybody likes to talk about the same thing when they're at work but it, you know one of the things that i noticed last night for example about watching tv and this is an interesting point is i'm now used to hitting the pause button yeah you know, and going in uh, going off and doing something coming back watching it you know live tv for a lot of people doesn't work anymore well, that's absolutely true. But an intro- I mean, that, that, that's a great point, because at the end of the day, people don't watch TV in a linear way. That is why Bodyguard has been such a triumph for the beat, because it actually got people watching and talking again. And that's something I hugely mourn, you know. I mean, even if you, I mean, you probably hated Dr. Foster, too. Am I right? I didn't watch that, actually. No. I like okay, Dr. Right. Foster. I thought that was good. I know a lot of people who did no, like it, though, and I've been meaning to watch it, but I just I never did at the time. I did, the first one is good. But I think the reason I didn't want to watch this is because it's connected to politics and politicians and at the moment i am one of them does get blown up though yeah i know not enough of them (laughs) but i mean it's like i am sick to the back teeth of politicians at the moment so to put tv on and watch more politicians i think that's what put me off whereas dr foster was something completely unrelated i could escape from reality of what's going on in this country at the moment you'll be pleased to know a couple of listeners julia and francis both tweeting and saying they didn't watch it either so you're not alone i'm not alone there are three of us at least (laughs) John, that's actually a really good point because I, I watched three episodes and I went on a holiday and I thought, well, actually, I shouldn't say this as a TV reporter. I, said, I thought, well, well I, I can't really be bothered to catch up with it. I'll sort of dip in, dip out, read the spoilers. But actually, that, that, I, think, I think that is a wider point. You know, I mean, yes, Bodyguard did have some great scenes and had some great drama. But at the end of the day, it's all about what we're saturated with at yes, the moment. Yeah. Terrorism, far right, extremism. And actually, it's quite nice sometimes to watch a drama that's like 
actually escapism takes you away from it it, it take, takes us away yeah. so I, I can i mean look yeah I, but I it sort of wasn't I, maybe that's what annoys me about it benji because it wasn't billed as escapism it was kind of billed as this new kind of reality gritty sort of drama you know like it could mm. really happen and that was for me the problem because as it started and then sort of you know skyrocketed off into some fantasy world it clearly wasn't something that was gritty and and, and, and reality based because it would never happen well, and, and that might be why, why the, the certain sort of appeal of it, to break it down, is the reason why some people like it, because, um, oh, thank God things aren't that bad, you know, right now. You know, <laughs> right people, now, I yeah. Mean, people are very stupid. <laughs> if there is a true. general election. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. And what about this ridiculous kind of growing conspiracy theory as well when people watch these kind of shows? I mean, the amount of people, I think, who believed that the Home Secretary was in fact going to come back in the final uh, episode because she wasn't really dead. I mean, you know, people were getting carried away to the point where, I mean, whenever I'd see a poll on it, it was like 50% of people thought that was going to happen. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers, really. Yeah. But people get so involved with these dramas. Us lot, you know, we, we commentate on them. This is our jobs. We look at them. We put them on their head. But some people live and breathe by these dramas. And it's quite frightening, really. Because they do, well, but then saying that, on the, other, on the flip side, people say it, wouldn't, it would be within Jed Mercurio's writing style, line of duty writing style, to bring her back. Now, if they bring her back, I'll be right on the phone to you at the beginning of series two slamming the whole bleeding show. Hold on, hold on. Series, series, series two, Benji. There's more. There's more oh, series yeah. that is Reba. coming. Oh, absolutely. Pick oh, up my the sun gosh. today. Dead Mercury. Yeah, I know. More, more doom and gloom right. coming our way. Uh, today he's done an interview with us saying three or four series would be, would be what they're looking at. But to be honest with you, looking at it last night, I'd be quite happy with one series. You know, it's been a little bit out of this world. It's been a little bit crazy. But it's well within the BBC's um, style to look at something that rates well and flog it to death. Yeah, well, I, I think say, the Bodyguards Sarah. Union have been in touch with the BBC to say, can you please do another series where you have a bodyguard who knows how to do his job <laughs> uh, as opposed to he allowing everybody to he die? He was very successful, No, he was he? the world's worst bodyguard, this guy. I mean, you know, why should he get a second series? <laughs> <laughs> you know, unbelievable. Anyway, listen, Benji, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, I've got to Benji. get your view while you're here, though, of another show that absolutely drives me insane. Oh, gosh. And that's Press. Oh. What a lot of cobblers oh, that is. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, really. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it yet. I Don't bother. Dawn, have you watched it? Yes, I have, Benji. It's like every tabloid you've ever worked on, mate. Not. No, it's really, it's really not. I mean, it's the, it's the most I'll watch ridiculous. It and we'll catch up about it. Yeah, it's absolutely horrendous, Benji. Thanks very much indeed, Take Benji care. Potter, uh, the uh, showbiz uh, correspondent from the Sun. There, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Smash! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Dawn Neeson is here. We talked about Labour Party conference in the first hour. We'll still take your calls on that. 0344 499 1000. I'm looking forward to hearing from somebody who seems to be able to convince me uh, that the Labour Party are indeed ready to take up the government, are indeed ready for an election, and if they win it, will indeed run this country better than the Tories. There's no argument from me about how badly the Tories are doing, but the Labour Party, I don't believe, will do any better. Do you? 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, uh, we'll be finding out why uh, models with three boobs are on the catwalk at a weird Milan Fashion Week show. Plus, why you can't get a handmaid's tail outfit because it's apparently sexist. And why women get away with having their own island. 
we can't have one because we're men. Uh, coming up in this hour, though, we're going to talk to Colonel Richard Kemp. Uh, he is, of course, uh, a retired army officer, uh, a great man, a man who I often agree with on many of the things that he says. However, today, uh, I don't agree with what he's saying. He's basically saying that Germany's president uh, should not be invited to celebrate the 100th anniversary, or commemorate, rather, the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One, because it might upset some uh, veterans of that war. You may agree with him, uh, or you may agree with me. 0344-499-1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham. And Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So I'll tell you what, uh, what I didn't really realise, I have to say, and I'm, I'm sorry for my ignorance, I didn't realise that the German president is actually a much more important job uh, than I thought it was. I thought the German president's job was kind of ceremonial role, uh, which was really very little to do with the running uh, of the German government. Technically, though, uh, the president of Germany, uh, who is a guy called Franz Walter Steinmeier, mm-hmm. uh, is in fact um, uh, elected by a sort of secret body. He's in office for five years and he is technically the head of state of Germany. And he's uh, possibly going to be invited to uh, the Senatar for the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One. Colonel Richard Kemp, uh, as I say, a man I greatly admire and who I normally agree with, uh, says that he doesn't think it's a good idea. Colonel Richard, uh, very good morning to you. Very good morning to you as well. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Um, tell us, perhaps, in a way that might make it more um, agreeable for me to understand why you think this guy shouldn't come. Well, my main concern is is that it detracts from what is an extremely significant event in the life of this country. Every year, we spend we spend part of one day commemorating the millions of British people who gave their lives for our country uh, in war. And that tradition has been effectively going on since the end of the First World War. Um, that's, the, that's the whole purpose of the event at the Cenotaph. It's not about peace and reconciliation. It isn't about um, you know who we're now friends with or not friends with. It's about remembering, respecting, and commemorating our war dead. And in particular, this year, an incredible anniversary, the 100th anniversary of the end of the First World War, in which a million British and Empire troops gave their lives. And I think um, I have nothing against the president of Germany. I've got nothing against Germany. I lived there for 10 years. I served on operations with the German army in Afghanistan. Got great respect for all of them. Um, this is not for me. It's not about um, saying anything detrimental about Germany. It's about diluting this event. And and effectively, he has been, uh, it's been suggested he should be the guest of honour. The only people that should be honoured at the Cenotaph on that day are our warden. Yeah, I mean, presumably we are now no longer in a situation where there are survivors of, of the First World War. I think the last, uh, I think just last died, living they, yeah. um, uh, veteran actually died not, not very long mm. ago. But, I mean, I understand your point, and I get that, but surely the best way to commemorate the end of something which was so awful and horrible that it should never happen again uh, is to have a representative of the, of the other side. Mm. Well, I, I, I don't really agree with that. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't feel that... I wouldn't sort of refuse to go if he was there or anything no. like that, but I just feel it's not uh, appropriate to have anything that takes away from what the main event is. The main event is to remember people who gave far more for this country than anybody could ever give. It doesn't matter who you are, how mm. important you are, how rich you are. You could never give what people gave who gave up their entire lives, their entire futures for our country. And I think to, to take away from that in any way by having any unnecessary dignitary there is wrong. And, you, you know, we have the Queen, we have the Prime Minister, the heads of the other political parties, we have the, um, the, 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 the ambassadors and consul general from the, um, from the uh, Commonwealth countries there. Um, that, that, that's, what, that's what's required. We don't need a foreign head of state to be present. 
Do you, you you say that sort of like, you know, if one single veteran is upset by his being there, then he shouldn't obviously be there. Have you had any indication that people will be upset by his presence there? I've had a lot of people today um, who, who, who served um, supporting my position. Uh, 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 I mean, a lot who have disagreed with it, but I think more who support it, certainly from my own, uh, you know, on, on social media. And I, I know also, and I don't, particularly feel this way, but I do know that um, there are many veterans of the Second World War um, who are still alive today who would, I think, feel uncomfortable at marching past the Cenotaph and giving an eyes right or whatever it is to to the German head of state when, you know, th- these are people who themselves fought in that war and saw their friends um, die. Perhaps they themselves were disabled. I think but, you know, if, if there is a risk of, of offending these people, then that, I think, should be taken into account. There are many, of course, and there are many, many who wouldn't be offended. And, you know, many, many people who fought against each other in the Second World War and other wars have since become firm friends. Mm. So it's not I'm not suggesting we continue to fight any previous war. And yeah. it's absolutely right that we we have close relationships with Germany, which is one of our most important allies. But that is also one of the things about the First World War, isn't it? Because it was such a ghastly uh, conflict where people... I mean, my grandfather signed up for it when he was underage. He pretended to be 18 when he was only 16. That was how desperate he was to go to the front line. And he never spoke about it at all uh, when he came back because it was so awful and traumatic. And and in some ways, those young men who signed up to fight for Germany we're in the same boat, you know? And so there's a kind of commemoration for everyone, isn't there? Yes, and, and I, I, it's, not, it's not a... This is not um, a commemoration of all soldiers who died in war, and it should never be that. This should be a commemoration for our soldiers who died in war. Other countries can have their own commemorations. We could perhaps take part in them if we were invited to do so. But this is not about commemorating all soldiers. The, 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 you know, the, 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 you know I, I think there, there are many German soldiers, probably possibly most German soldiers in both wars who behaved extremely well and fought extremely well. But yeah, every, pretty much every British prisoner of war in the First World War was treated abysmally by the Germans, absolutely abysmally. There were echoes, actually, of the concentration camps yeah. of the Second World War among the way some of them were treated. And I'm, you know, I, I don't drag this all up and say we shouldn't have the German president here because of that. I just think it, you know, above all, it just takes away from what this event should be mm. about, and we should never lose our focus on that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people these days perhaps don't really think too carefully about what these young men and women, mainly men, but women as well, um, did for our country. They, 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 they really did. They gave everything up, and many of them, as your grandfather, and you know, thank goodness for people like him, your grandfather even lied about his age to get there. My, my great uncle um, got himself, managed to wheedle, wheedle his way out of a, a reserved occupation to get to the front line because right. he was very keen to fight as well in 1917 and was killed three, week, three weeks after he arrived. And, and what these people did, consciously and knowingly, in so many cases, not being forced to in many cases, um, laid down their lives for us. And, and it's, 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 an, it's an event of an immense significance. Mm. It will be an extraordinary event. I mean, yeah. I suppose um, we won't really know the outcome of this until perhaps a bit closer to the time. I presume the newspapers will, will try and establish whether or not uh, this guy Steinmeier is going to be invited. But at the moment, um, what, what are you doing about this? So you've obviously made your opinion clear. Is, is, is there anything else you're planning to do? 
No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, as I say, I don't. I, you know, I feel if if the government decides it's the right thing to do, then that's fine by me. I was asked my opinion, and this is what my opinion is. I'm certainly not planning to launch any kind of campaign or anything to stop it from happening. Yeah. Um, I think you know. I think that would be be wrong. I do. I do think though that you know, if the government is going to make a decision, then they should take people's views into account, including mine. You know, mine mine's not that important, but. I think anybody who wishes to speak up about this should do so specifying their view. But I don't think, I mean, it would, what I wouldn't want to see, of course, and that would be even worse than, than the German president coming, would be some kind of a campaign to stop him coming, as we saw, as we saw so disgracefully over President Trump. Yeah. Right, yeah. UK. No, absolutely. Mm. Well, Colonel Kemp, thank you very much. Thank you. Indeed. We will uh, counsel our view, uh, listeners here because we've got a lot of listeners who have served as well, so we'll find out what they think of it. Colonel Richard Kemp, the uh, retired British Army officer uh, and a very sensible voice out there uh, in defence of, the, uh, of the Army. I'm, I'm still um, un, unclear, really, uh, as to whether or not uh, it's, uh, he's saying he doesn't think that foreign dignitaries generally appear at the Senatile. I think because it's such an important commemoration, I think that actually it wouldn't be such a bad thing for the German president I to be agree. there. I agree. I think it, it does make me feel slightly uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm not an out-and-out pacifist, but I do think now we, we should be moving on. We should be working together because, you know, Europe seems to be tearing itself apart yeah. whether we like it or not at the yeah. moment. So Also, if he's going to go to Westminster Abbey, it would be weird, would it not, to, to say not you can't there. go to the Cenotaph uh, because actually that's too important for you to yeah. go to. I think that's entirely wrong. I'm very I've curious. Got, I've got great respect for Colonel Kemp. I've spoken to him many times, uh, met him a couple of times. I think he's a great guy, but I think he's got this one wrong. I want to yeah. hear from some of you, though, because I know many of you out there listening to this show uh, have served in the forces in the past. Uh, so some of you may still be serving uh, in the forces, and I'd love to hear your view on it. Let's go to uh, Jeff, though. He wants to have, so, have his say uh, on what we were talking about earlier with Colonel Richard Kemp, and that is, of course, uh, Franz Walter Steinmeier, the pre- president of Germany, being invited to the Cenotaph uh, for the commemorations of World War One. Jeff, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Good morning, mate. Oh, good afternoon, mate. Good afternoon, yeah. Don. Thanks, Hi, thanks for ringing. Jeff, what do you think of it? That's OK. Um, well... If I can just pinch two minutes of your time, sure. I'm pretty well, I'm pretty well placed to give a bit of an opinion on this. Okay, uh, I'm a former member of the parachute regiment myself. Okay, uh, and my father, uh, I'm very proud to say, was uh, he, he was he took part in the very 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 first action of D-Day uh, and jumped into Merville Battery on the uh, Normandy coast, and then was later on in the war involved in the Battle of Arnhem as a paratrooper too. Um, now, if Dad was still here, sadly he's no longer with us, but if he was still here, he would say it was just a load of guys in a different uniform answering the call of the motherland the same as the English did. Right. And the actions of a few idiots cannot condemn the whole German population. So, so you would agree with this, um, this president of Germany being at the Cenotaph? Absolutely. Why shouldn't he? No, I agree with you. They they, they lost millions and millions Mm. of men, women and children, just as we did. Yeah. For the actions of a few idiots. Yeah. Every every man, woman and child that we lost, we lost because of the actions of those same idiots, the same as the Germans did. No, exactly. My my father was a prisoner of war after Arnhem. He was quite badly injured after Arnhem. Um, And he became very good lifelong friends with a German chap. Uh, and, And to the day they both died, they were still very, very close friends. And he felt, the German fellow, I won't name him because it'd be the wrong thing to do, but he felt that the German nation should hold the head in shame for eternity because of the actions of, of, of the German hierarchy at that time. 
and the fact that the German population did nothing to stop it. And the actions of the few determined the, the, the outcome for the many. However, what he also said was it wasn't until after the war that they realised anything of, of the atrocities had mm. happened. Mm. Well, that's a bit like what Colonel Kemp said. He was saying that a lot of the German soldiers, and I presume he's talking about the Second rather than the First World War, um, fought very sort of cleanly and and very well. They didn't know that the the sort of concentration camp type stuff was going on with prisoners of war as well as with uh, civilians as well, you know. But I just wonder, and I mean, Jeff, you're absolutely, of course, entitled to your opinion. My my point about it is that the First World War was, was a sort of unique war in as much as all the soldiers were kind of hoodwinked into fighting, weren't they? Correct. Absolutely, 100%. My, my grandfather fought Passchendaele. I'm, I'm part of a, a long, 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 long history of military uh, family. And, uh, and uh, those guys were just led down a path the same as... To be fair, let's be right, every single war ever since, there's no such thing as a winner in war. The, the, the victors write the history books, but the history books are invariably, normally... Uh, very, very much wearing the glasses on the yeah. side of mm. the victors. And, and the people who lose these wars, we, we must remember, and people who've never been anywhere near a camouflage jacket must remember, through the Gulf, through the Falklands, through all these conflicts we've been involved since, exactly the same as World War One and Two. There is no winner. No. Everybody's a loser. Mm. Yeah. And what no about your, when you spoke to your, your German friend about this? I mean, my, the thing I find slightly weird is that if you're going to invite the guy to come to Westminster Abbey, then surely he comes to the cenotaph. I mean, I would understand it more if they said we're not going to invite him to anything. Yeah, quite. But if they're going to invite him to the, to, to one bit of it, why not do the, the do the two things? He should be a, he should be at the whole celebration, the whole remembrance thing. He should be part of. Yeah. And it is to be fair, it's Germany's way of saying we apologise for what happened. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure he's very humble as a person. Uh, the times you see him interviewed, he seems a very very genuine guy. One of the few politicians you could actually look at and say you know mm. this guy's mm. pretty honest so no, i'm sure that... he is doing this cap in hand with his head held low and saying yeah. i apologize of course i mean i had a very interesting conversation it was funnily enough it was during the world cup and found myself uh, standing next to a german guy watching germany getting slaughtered by japan uh, which was quite an amusing <laughs> event in itself as you can imagine um, but he was saying that the, and there was a lot of german flags at the, at the at the football match and i said it's quite quite unusual to see that and he said it was, wasn't until 2006 and the World Cup in Germany, where the German nation actually felt comfortable flying a flag. Flying their own right, flag. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think... You, in, my, in my own career, I've had the... Uh, it was a very weird, surreal situation to be actually stood next to a German tank mm. with an Iron Cross on the side of it. Yeah. Mm. And because, obviously, the German army used the Iron Cross as their emblem. Mm. Of course. And, and it's very surreal. And we all joked and said, shouldn't we all have a fist fight just to, just to keep the thing going? <laughs> the Germans found it as funny as... Well, hang on. Did. I mean, Jeff, you were in the paratroopers, and you just have fist fights amongst yourselves just to keep your hand in. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. A whole different show you can hold. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that one of these days, Jeff. Thanks very much. Thanks, indeed.
03444991000 is the number to call us on. Uh, Maxwell has said, The Bodyguard was the most watched BBC drama uh, since 2008. It seems it was only you and Mike Parry that thought it was rubbish. I thought it was entertaining. Actually, he didn't think it was rubbish. Uh, but also, uh, I'm not the only person that thought it was rubbish because we've just had a guy on the phone who watched it and still thought it was rubbish. So loads of people watched it and didn't think it was any good. So, Maxwell, you know, do your homework before you Why are you us. watching stuff you don't think is any good? If I watch something That's and I, I don't think, I just you. turn on. No, not you. I know you doing it for no, re- I, no. research. No, but... no, not me. No, I'm talking about other people. Yeah. They'll sit and watch anything you put on on Sunday night. Yeah, but. Because that's what they do I on Sunday night. Mm, no, they, no, I, don't, I don't, don't agree with that one. I think people just sit and watch it because they actually think it's quite good, really, but they just don't want to admit to well, it. Well, maybe they keep it's watching cool it. It's not cool to admit to it. I mean, it is possible for people to make television drama. Um, which kind of sucks you in, but isn't actually something any that you, good. you think is any good. Well, I must But con- you kind of go, like, for example, I mean, the whole nonsense of half an hour watching this guy with a suicide vest on, yeah. you're kind of watching it going, he's not going to blow up, yeah. is he? No. Well, not. I guess it's. And a- then you just go, I'm supposed to keep watching it in case he does blow up. Yeah. I mean, it's like that, isn't I get, it? Well, I guess, I guess it's why I'm watching press, basically, because, I mean, I know yeah. nobody else well, is. I think, I think there's well, only about just, two people watching it. Well, you've just lost your own argument. Well, no, because. <laughs> No, because that is my research argument, Mike. I'm oh, doing it for the same reason as you watch okay. The Bodyguard. Research. Okay. All right, fine. Have you ever watched anything you didn't like, but you watched it to the end? Yeah, several West Ham matches. There you go. And mm. uh, what about when you go to the cinema and you see a movie and you realise about halfway through the film's absolute cobblers, right? You still wait to the end. Well, that's you? interesting. Have you ever walked out of a cinema? I've film? never walked no, out of a cinema. No, I don't think I have either. Because people don't. No, you don't, do you? You just sit and it's I hoping fall it will get better. In the cinema. I, I have a problem with the dark. Yeah, it's warm and it's dark. Yeah. And... Yeah. Actually, it's not always warm. You'd hate some of the cinemas I go to are freezing cold. Right, okay. Because they have the air conditioning on. Ah, no. You know? Normally. But I never t- the problem for me is, and most of the things that I go and see now in the cinema are I go with the kids. So they're usually some of these Guardians of the Galaxy type things. But films. that was quite good. I did enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, they're good, but, but they're very long, though. Yeah, they are, but they are quite Ridiculously funny. Ridiculously long. And like, uh, nearly as long as you trying to explain Total Recall to yeah, me just now. Yeah, I have now. to say, uh, because we're about to now embark upon a, an interesting conversation about this. Is, I'm going to call this Feminist Corner. Feminist right? Corner. And we maybe do this on a daily basis, where the total sort of dopey feminist call, uh, show, uh, stories of the day. And the first one is, uh, apparently at a Milan fashion show, uh, all the models were kind of racked up, as it were, with ooh, three ooh, breasts. Ooh. Three breasts. Yeah, I know. I've, I've Why seen the picture. Why would you do that? This, I, I, well, you were explaining that this is something to do with the film called Total Recall, which mm. I obviously haven't seen either. Yeah, I know I do need to sort of watch more, but... You should. This is a story... And you haven't seen Total Recall. No, I haven't, but you've explained it and you made it so interesting, I almost kept awake. Mm. But yeah, Milan Fashion Week, um, and it's an Italian label I've never heard of, but they have sent the models down the catwalk Obviously not wearing proper clothes because I can see their boobs. Yeah. So why would you even well, do that? Well, that's called under case? boob, I think, isn't it? Isn't that uh, what very, they call that? Yeah, I think so. But you wouldn't go out because you've got your boobs on show. Any case, they have been given prosthetic boobs and there are three of them. Yeah. Now, I looked at this picture and I thought, A, how stupid, and B... What have they done with their real boobs? Well, yeah. Where are they in yes, that Yes, I thing? don't know. I can't answer that. You need to, you need to look at uh, the Sun people. It's on page 11 But also, the if you haven't seen Total Recall and you haven't... No, I haven't. it means nothing to you. It doesn't mean anything to so, me at all. So, I mean, they're talking about it supposedly being something to do with a dystopian future. Yes. Right? Uh, which brings us on to the other story, uh, which is the Handmaid's Tale fancy dress outfit. <gasps> Which to me is even more ridiculous. Oh, you right? love this story, don't you? Well, you I just think it's talking crazy. about this at the because, weekend. Because um, apparently, one of these fancy, you know, it's coming up to Halloween. Halloween. Right? People like to go to Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. They like to dress up in yeah. Halloween costumes. The Handmaid's Tale is a show which I haven't seen, but it's also about the dystopian future, yes. apparently, 
where women, uh, where there's a shortage of children being born or something like yes, that. Yes, So that's women right. become enslaved into into sort of being forced to have children, being forced to have yeah, children, so and therefore being sort of becoming sex slaves, sex slaves and rape victims. Basically, so, so the Handmaid's Tale outfit, which is then put on sale by this mob. It gets so much uh, flack from people who think it's an outrage that they've had to withdraw it. Now, yeah, absolutely. This is an online lingerie retailer, yeah. um, and it's an American one as well. And look, let's face it, The Handmaid's Tale is presenting a pretty damn scary future. Yeah. But it is fiction. It's also fiction. It is fiction, and it is Halloween, and Halloween is about scary things. Yeah. So, now, I saw this outfit, and if, if it hadn't have been headlined Handmaiden's yeah. Tale thing, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. It's, right. a, it's a fairly nice sort of like short red dress with a long red long red cloak and a sort of like little white and hat sort of and high heels. Habit type thing. Yeah, and it, it just looks quite good fun, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but also, but, where do you draw the line here? You know, what other outfits can you not wear? Well, there's been a whole raft of outfits well, there have recently, been outfits. haven't there? Well, I mean... Yeah, but the thing is, in the end, you know, like, for example, we all remember the Prince Harry uh, Nazi uniform yes, thing, right? Now, yep. when you're Prince Harry, that's a very bad idea. Well, if you're <laughs> yeah. going out with your mates, okay, uh, it's in bad taste. Yes. But, you know, should somebody tell you not to do it? Should you get in the papers for it? That's my point. Well, no, but I mean, Harry, yeah. It's a pretty stupid thing to do. The boy's an idiot, basically, isn't he? But I mean, there have also been people who have gone to fancy dress parties at Halloween dressed as Oscar Pistorius's uh, victim. Yeah. Reva Steenkamp. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's funny. That's in pretty bad taste. That's in very, yeah. It's a bad thing to do if you're in the public eye or you're a member of the royal family. Yeah. But if you're just some ordinary person... Should somebody else be telling you what you can and can't wear? Well, no, I agree, but you can't go anywhere these days without somebody getting upset, having an issue with it, and putting it on but social media. But that's what's media. ridiculous. Yeah, and there, there was also uh, the Twin Towers one. Yeah, there was uh, two. Which people. is also in terribly bad it's taste. It's in terribly bad taste. Absolutely. Well, um, I mean, would you seriously go up to somebody at a party, right, uh, who was dressed in a way that you thought was a bit? you know, over the top and in bad taste and say, you you should not have done that, you should go home. I wouldn't, know personally, no, but I, I know either. a lot of people would. But if I'd have seen a, a woman dressed in this handmaid's towel outfit at a fancy dress party at Halloween, a, it would have registered what she was dressed at. I don't at. think she's I subjugating just, her gender, is no, she? No, I just thought she would look quite nice because it's quite a sexy yeah. outfit, to be honest now, with you. Now, the final denouement for the old feminist corner uh, is the island in Finland, which has only got women on it. This sounds horrific. Yeah. It's, it's right, it's an island. Um, I mean, of course, this is not an original idea, is it? No. Because there was the original island of Lesbos, remember? Yes, indeed. In ancient yeah. Greece. Yeah, but this is the Super She Island, and yeah. it's a luxury retreat. doesn't sound that luxurious to me, in the Gulf of Finland. Okay. Uh, where they the beat s- you with twigs and stuff uh, like uh, that. They do, Finland. absolutely. Yeah. And the first thing you're greeted by is a load of people wading around semi-naked and <laughs> drinking <laughs> drinking locally forged berries. Oh, God. Now, that doesn't sound nice It's to me. all female, right? And yeah. what makes it even... Sounds like a nightmare. It does sound like a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, is there's no alcohol, <laughs> no cigarettes, Finland. no sugar... Christ. Yeah, and uh, you go and live in a wooden cabin. Really? And there's not a man in sight. Now, look, come on. I, you know. I I, mean, what is wrong with people? I don't know. But again, I mean, I wouldn't go around saying you can ban it. Can you imagine if there was a men-only island? Oh. Can you imagine the outrage? Yeah. There'd be people on boats trying to land on there. (laughs) You know, the women's brigade. (laughs) Allow us. We must have access. I actually think men-only island's quite a good thing. You could just chuck them all or on chuck there. chuck all the men on there. How about and then just one of those sort of like... deserted places in the Outer Hebrides? Yeah, and then we could have a dystopian future where we just borrow one when you want to do a bit of breeding type thing. Is that right? Possibly. No, see, that's that's a bit of a hate crime, I'm afraid. That's, um, I don't yeah. know you can say things like misandrist that Misandrist hate crime. Uh, misandrist, there you go. I There's know. a new word for us. I know, I did learn the... that one on oh, here. 0344 Have we really lost the plot? I think we have. I don't mean uh, Dawn and I. I mean generally no, I... the rest of the world out there. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic. 
Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.